Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. I am your host, Jake McAtee. And this week, I had the absolute pleasure of talking to a good friend of mine, Michael Foster, who was in town a few weeks ago, finishing up his brand new documentary, Map to Manhood, based on the best-selling book by him and non-tenant, It's Good to Be a Man. That documentary releases April 14th, that's this Friday, exclusively on Canon Plus. The team here at Canon Press and Michael have been working very hard on this documentary. I can't recommend it enough. Not to mention I'm in it shooting a 12 gauge. So uh, if that's something you've always wanted to see, I highly recommend this documentary, Map to Manhood. Go subscribe to Canon Plus and watch today. Without further ado, meet Michael Foster. All right, now welcoming on recurring guest. <laughs> I don't know why you left. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, this is where this my star raises this yeah. high. We're in yeah. this together, Jake. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. Recurring guest. You've been on twice. Uh, last time you were here to talk about controversial tweets. This time you're in town and we're shooting a documentary for your book. It's good to be a man. Mm -hmm. Michael Foster, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Uh, so I wanted to talk about leadership, general qualities of leadership. I think, uh, I don't think I've had you on since you became a pastor of the church in Batavia. I don't think so. No. Um, so I thought we could just chase this around and I don't think they've been similar questions. So have you read, uh, Regnerus's cheap sex? No. Uh, one of the things he talks about in there is it's about it's a, it's, it's a jag, but it's uh, essentially market, market rates, market prices, real estate kind of things. And his, his point is uh, basically with sex, sex in schools, sex with uh, like high school age students, uh, because it's happening so often, like the rates are really low. Sure. Like sex is cheap. So and abundance makes value plummet. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, and one of the questions he's trying to ask in that book is how do we get the rates back up? Like, what does it take to be uh, like a family or a community that's continually raising that price, that market price? Yeah. And I thought it was actually a great way and a great paradigm to consider uh, like spiritual equity and leadership and things of that nature. Like, who are the kind of people who can raise a community's spiritual market price if that hmm. makes sense yeah i think it does <clears throat> does that does that track does that <clears throat> yeah well i mean part of in the in that sexual marketplace yeah. if we're going to be crass like that um <laughs> is to have people understand what to value what not to value what to spend time on what not to spend time actually i saw someone shared this on um twitter it, and it was a woman dressed very classy right and modest but okay. classy and as she walked through the crowd they pointed out watch the guy's eyes and all the guy's eyes were turned to her just because she's a beautiful woman and yep. she carries herself in a beautiful classy way teaching people that look showing everything um that's that's immodest and immod immodesty is ugly because it's contextual so your wife um 
uh, naked before you is not immodest, and therefore it's it's a beautiful for a, a husband. But if anytime you see like um, someone streaking, <clears throat> there is kind of a a gross out like man, the human body is like kind of shaped weird, <laughs> and things move in ways that uh, that's wow, that's yeah, high rates cool. of speed, and <clears throat> yeah, like, right, and like uh, yeah. yeah, different parts of the body's moving different directions and yeah. waves in your belly, and yeah. you see that stuff. Um, well, that's not obviously that's not beautiful. It's, it's inappropriate. And so what makes something modest and not modest is its context, right? So if everyone's dressed in t-shirts and you show up in a tux, it's immodest, right? right. You're making yourself a spectacle. You're drawing eyes. That's not, doesn't suit the situation, vice versa, right? Got it. Um, so one is just teaching people what is beautiful, um, what is uh, dignified and all that will raise, raise the level in... Um, in the sexual uh, marketplace, right? Yeah. Now, flipping over to the leadership side is what is what does a leader actually do? How does a leader actually lead? And we've talked about Friedman before and, yeah. and some other things we've done together. Uh, but I think one thing that people think in the reform world is that technique and information is everything. Yeah. So learn how to spit out the right phrasing. Not that it doesn't matter. You're always uh, like a, a word or two away from heresy when it comes to doctrines like Trinity. You yeah. know? And so you want to be able to say things the right way, but just memorizing and mastering data doesn't make you a leader. And in the reform world, uh, knowing your catechism, knowing confession, all that, you know, um, all the all the stupid hashtags, that whole thing is just kind of uh, knowing a bunch of info. But do you have the wisdom? Do you have the ability to apply it? Over time, you start to respect people that are very stable, very prudent, has a lot of self-control. I think um, I talked about this with someone recently. So you would think what this age needs is this kind of like bold, charismatic prophet. But in an age where everyone lacks um, emotional restraint, that's just people uh, demonstrating strong emotion yeah. in their rhetoric or whatever is everywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> what you actually need, and this is what few people realize about Pastor Wilson about Doug yeah. is that Doug actually is uh, he's not emotionless, but he's just stable. He's he's steady Eddie, right? Yeah. And so a guy like that in a time like this is able to keep us cool and become the person that regulates the room, the, the, the thermometer. That's what a leader is. A leader yeah. is reactive, but he doesn't have he's not overreactive. Like he's in the room, he's able to talk to people, he's keeping his um, measure of what's going on. But he's able to kind of divorce himself enough to think like, what's the right thing? What's the appropriate thing to do in this situation? That is the sort of men we need. We need men that have clear heads, right? Cool heads that can stay in the fight. Yeah. You mentioned the Friedman stuff we've talked about before. And and something you just said was the regulating a room. Um, where did we, that's something I only happened upon way late in life or even considering the topic of it. Yeah. Um, and when I thought back, I thought maybe two or three times in my life have I met somebody like that. Um, is it like, where did that go? Why, why is that never talked about? I mean, even as, and this could be just like young guy, Christian stuff, which it is, but I used to think, yeah, if, oh man, if this church could just think this thing, yeah, man, what a, we'd probably see reformation. Yeah. And, and as you get older, you're like, those things would be awesome too. But man, how do you even begin with this? Or you know, like it's I mean, all... the answers are actually really simple. They're annoyingly simple. Okay. So, for example, one way you learn um, your place in a room, a hierarchy in a room, is you sit around the dinner table 
and you watch mom and dad talk and the adult guests talk. And as you get older, you learn like, I can ask a question, but it's not my place to share an opinion yet, sure. right? I just need to listen and take in. And that's something, did, did anyone straight up say that to those kids? Maybe, but a lot of times you just learn, right? You watch them. I remember sitting at my uh, grandma's uh, dinner table watching her talk local politics. She was uh, the head of the school board in our county okay. and uh, talking about this guy and that guy and who's the trustworthy one. And I just kind of like was watching her back and forth like a tennis game, them talk about it and learning to, when I'm in a room with a certain type of people, just to take it in, right? Yeah. Right. And, and learn from them. Then you eventually arrive at a stage in your life where you get a little gray. You might feel 15 on the inside, but you don't look it on the outside. Yeah. And you recognize like, I am that person now. I'm the person that has to lead that conversation or push that. Yep. And, um, and so it's the breakdown of the family. There's just very, like, there's a way that mom relates to dad. Mom defers to dad. Dad never throws mom under the bus in front of the kids. Right. right. Like there's sometimes my wife had made decisions that I a hundred percent disagree with. And she, and they'll say, do you agree with mom? We are one son. Then we go in another room. I'm like, what are you? What is going on? <laughs> yeah, like, sure. Why did you do that? Sure. Right. But I'm not going to divide the ranks in, in front of them. Never. And that stuff you just learned being in an intact, healthy family, with a masculine dad and a feminine mom. And so yep. each of those little things, is where we have to start. Like get men to take responsibility for yourself. Like people that have to respond to everything online. Yeah. Right. That's a lack of emotional restraint. Just the reactivity nature yeah. of it. They I saw something. I got to say something. Oh, this person's wrong. I got to correct them. Yeah. You know, like having a view on everything. I like having views on as few things as possible at this stage of my life. <laughs> yeah. And this, the things yeah. I have views on are like ones that I, I sure. care about. And there's a lot of views I have. I think, you know, it's probably better for the world. I don't share that. So. Sure. Certainly better for me that I don't share it. <laughs> yeah. Those, that's not the way we make headlines in this podcast, yeah, Michael. Yeah, I mean, gotcha. <laughs> the less you feel confident about a subject, maybe that I want to like subsidize that. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So one thing about that too, is I was thinking about like the, the topic of leadership or at least how it was, uh, I received it growing up was sort of like, this is a isolated thing and it's essentially... Like, how do you move people quickest or, or, you know, like, are you just, do people like you? And usually it was like in youth group, it's like the funniest guy, <laughs> you know, that was like the guy that moved people or yeah. that commanded the room. Um, and so it wasn't until reading some of those guys, Friedman or Regnerus or those kind of things where it's like, no, leadership has a, a sort of a community thing and you could be putting equity into something that you can't visibly see mm -hmm. or, you know, it's not obvious it is obvious in a sense, but it's not it's not like, hey, when I put this shirt on sale, they all bought it or or whatever. Yeah. But there's something else. Well, it yields, right? So leadership isn't a zero sum game. Okay. Um, so in my church, I, I delegate pretty radically um, okay. because I'm bivocational. I don't have a choice. Sure. And um, and I find if you give, so people say you have to be faithful in the small things. Okay. Right? But this is an adult man. He's married. Okay. <laughs> those are not sure. he's done things i'm willing to give this guy something medium sized at least yep and i find when you give men something worth um like they realize like i need to get this done they're trusting me you tend to get the best out of them okay. right you, you, and if you don't well you know you, you take their temperature quick right. and uh but so i delegate to a whole lot of people and say here's kind of the general idea you know uh 
go and get it done. And then uh, they may stumble here and there, but whatever they get done is more than I could have probably done given all what I have to do, right? Yep. And now they have that experience. Uh, also, when you delegate people, it's really easy to criticize leaders, right? I think about this with, you know, think of some of the, maybe some of the scandals that um, have got, uh, Christchurch has gotten caught up in. People sure. made a scandal. Well, here's what you should have done. Man, it's easy to say what you should have done. Yeah. Wait till you have actual authority. It's like yeah. all the people with toddlers, like two toddlers teach me how to be a parent. Shut up. <laughs> no one cares, right? Yeah. Except other yeah. people that I guess are dumb. Um, don't right. listen to these people. They don't know what you're talking about yet. It's so easy to think, to be critical of other people when you don't have that experience. So when you give away leadership to people, one, you build in trust with them, but also uh, you build um, companions that are able to uh, sympathize with the difficulties of making decisions. Because decisions are often not right or wrong. A lot of leadership decisions are judgments. So it's like the best decision you can make in yeah. that scenario, right? right? So as you give that stuff away, you're, you're, uh, you're yielding interest, right? You're, yeah. you're building more leadership in a church. And churches cannot have just a couple leaders. They need you, your church needs to have lay leaders, lots of them that could be elders, right. but they're elders in the marketplace, right? They're they're elders in the university and the schools or wherever. That's where their yep. their ministry is being realized in that. And if the church needs them, they could call them up. But you have to give that away to see that. And we hold on to it. You have to take risk. Leaders take risk. That's good. And, the, and nowadays we're scared we're going to mess up. Well, you're going to mess up. Have you read the New Testament? Yeah. Right? Like, uh, do these churches have it all together? No, right. not at all. Right. And yet Paul loves them and he raises up people. That's That has to be our attitude. We have to be willing to give some of that way. So there's always a balance of risk and security. Um, but also when you don't give away your leadership, you become the limiting factor in whatever organization you're part of in a church. And a lot of churches cannot grow large in a good sense, right? So numerical, but also quality because they're built around a personality. And then you immediately think of churches that grew really big. Fast. But where are they at? Yeah. Right? How many of them produce health? And so that's why you always have qualitative and quantitative like sort of measurements of what's going on. And like, what do our families look like? Are there a lot of marriages? Are there children? Are they getting baptized? Are they being catechized? Are the women smiling? Right? You know, that sort of thing is what a leader is looking for. And as you give away leadership, you... You, you, it's just more. It's not zero sum. Yeah. It, it multiplies. It's like gremlins. Like, <laughs> not unlike gremlins. Yeah. 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 Just add water. <laughs> Got to feed your leaders after midnight. Yeah. So you, you brought, brought something up there where uh, when we first started talking on, you said a lot of this is missed, like the regulation aspects of leadership is missed because the family's broken down. Yep. And then you also mentioned when you are looking for people to delegate to, you're generally looking at guys with families like they've been faithful here i can trust them here can you talk a little bit about like that leadership in the home do you feel like it's ever overlooked do you ever find guys kind of shooting for something when they haven't got this down here down sure um wherever you're having the most success in your life is usually what you're gonna be drawn to yeah so if if you go home you feel like a failure and you feel like a winner at work <laughs> you're gonna you're 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 gonna go to wherever you feel like a winner more. Okay, and that's that's it's a understandable reaction, but you have to get the home in line, right? Yeah. And so everything that's that's the whole thing right now. We live in this insane 
internet age. And I say this over and over again. Um, I say two things that always offend people. One, I tell people on Facebook, I'm not your friend because I'm not. I don't yeah. know you. Yeah. Oh, that really hurts me. Well, that's disturbing. Yeah. It hurts you that this guy you don't know says he's not, I'm not your friend. What do you think friends are? Like this is an online connection? <clears throat> that's like crazy, man. Right. Like, well, I it's guess like, I'm well, Donald Michael, Trump's friend or whoever Michael, else. you added me or you, you accepted <laughs> yeah. this friendship, I did Michael. and immediately unfollowed yeah. Yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say that, but I always, I always point out to people because we, Emily and I get a lot of comp compliments and it's sweet and, and, and I appreciate it. And they'll say that we have a really good marriage and by God's grace we do, but they don't know that. Yeah. They don't know sure. what we're like behind closed doors and how we deal with conflict, how how we're dealing with our kids through different phases. You don't know that, man. Yeah. You know, and so who you are at home is who you are. And if you read like the Sermon on the Mount, the, the, what we're trying to do is um, not make, uh, Jesus is saying that, is not saying you can't have a, a public religious life. Right, you can, but there's these guys that are praying on the corner and fasting, yeah. and whatever. But it's performative, and then at home, behind closed doors, or someone else. What needs to happen is the private and public realities need to become one, and that's sanctification yeah. through life. So, who you are at home when uh, when you're walking around like I went upstairs in my underwear to go get something, and uh, one of my sons like covered his eyes. I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you, but you grew up when I. We like all showered in the same yeah. showers in high school. Once I don't know if they still do that anymore. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but um, you, you can go in either bathroom. I think. Like, what a, <laughs> I guess. That, works I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, their rules yeah. aren't exact. They're not consistent. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, nonetheless, uh, uh, at home people see you in your vulnerable moments. Yeah. Right. And 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 family has a way to pu uh, push your buttons yeah. better than right. I remember when I'd become a Christian. <clears throat> I was about. 18 at this point. I'd only been a Christian a few years, but I'd grown a lot as a person. And I had an older uncle, or he was only six years older. He functioned like an older brother to me. And so I kind of, now as I was hitting the weights, I was a team captain on my, my team, you know, yeah. all my sports teams and feeling like now he'll respect me. And then I'd go back uh, to my grandma's house where he still lived. And immediately he would push my buttons. I started acting like a little kid again. Like, I don't know, is there something yeah. like about family that gets yeah. on your skin? Yeah. And it's, uh, that's who you are, right? And that's, you get to look at yourself in the mirror when you're at home. If your kids have an attitude problem, stop and say, is that me? Okay. Yeah. You, got, you got to correct their attitude problem. Right. But a lot of times they're, they're just little canaries in the coal mine. They're just reflecting who you are. And it's a place where you can actually get a deep understanding of your own sins, the areas you need to grow, your own tendencies. Yep. Yeah. And it sounds like... I mean, even the the question about regulating the room and you mentioned like, oh, hey, I'm the age where I'm I'm just going to like tennis match. Yeah. Watch watch yep. this conversation. Some of that seems to be like primarily self-awareness. Yep. What <clears throat> is self-awareness just this like gift that's given to certain people or is it something you can build? I mean, like some, I'm sure you can think of someone where you're like, maybe no hope. Maybe yeah. there's no hope for that guy. Uh, but is that true? Can can someone gain in self-awareness? Yeah. Yeah. There was an interesting study done where they uh, placed a bunch of products on a table. I think it's to the right. Like we, we tend to pick things from the right side of a table for some reason. Okay. Um, and all these items are identical. Identical. 
but they're di on different places on this table in this uh, display okay. in um, a store. And so then uh, they would ask, why did you pick this one and not that one? And people would always want to exp give a reason for why they chose it. Like, how is it different from the other ones? Yeah. So they have to actually make an argument for why they did what they did. Yep. Like, I don't know, this is well right. Yeah. But, but people say, no, 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 this, this bowl is better than that bowl or whatever, okay? okay. Um, when people are introspective and called to explain why they make a, a decision, they have a tendency to come up with a theory. Okay. Whether it's right or not. The truth is, these bowls are not different at all. It's all in your head. No, no, they are. They're like arguing with the people who made the bowls, yeah. who set them out there, yeah. right? In this study. Yeah. Who's done and, it several other times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and there, it takes them a while to believe it's true. And so I think people in an age where we're always self-reflective and introspective, okay. we're always creating these entire scenarios that seem plausible at one level on right. who we are. So the problem is people have this idea of who they are and they've thought about it like tons. Yep. Right. And to help them see, no, no, people, it's not that people are threatened by your presence. You're unlikable. Okay. Right. That's the main thing. Sure. Or like, swallow, sure. Yeah. yeah. Or it's not that women are intimidated. You're gross. You know, yeah. like, you know, parts of you move when you don't move. That's right. not good. Not okay. Good. Um, same yeah. thing with ladies. Oh, it's not that you're strong, independent. It's you're brassy and opinionated, you know, and, yeah. but they have, they create these things to explain. So part of the problem is that because <clears throat> we're so introspective and we think about ourselves so much, yeah. and that's somewhat due to everything being psychologized, yeah. right? Like, why do you think I do this sin? I can tell you what's going to happen if you don't stop. Right. How about that? Right. How about if you don't stop, you're going to hell, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? right? If you don't stop, you're going to destroy your life. Which is pretty much the way Jesus took it, Sermon on the Mount, yeah. of just like, I'll just... We'll just talk about it. Yeah, so there's the, always like a sin beneath the sin. So take anger, okay? okay. So anger is like a secondary emotion. You're angry because you lost something, right? So dad's angry at the kid because he idolizes comfort and the kids get in the way of him having uh, relaxing after work, right? So so guys like David Pallison would say, he's a guy that wrote a, a good biblical counseling books. Okay. There's a sin underneath the sin, but he then had people that are always looking for the sin underneath the sin, okay. underneath the sin, underneath the sin. Yeah. So it's like turtles all the way down. Yeah, sins all right? the way down. And so he would call that morbid introspection okay. where he gets stuck. So there's a, what people think is self-awareness a lot of times is morbid introspective. Okay. And that's because they're not inviting criticism from their friends. And you have to get to a place where this guy loves me. He cares about me. If he's saying I smell, right? Yeah. Uh, Cause you can't smell your own breath easily. You gotta right. go, but your friends can't. And your friends like, you want a Tic Tac? If they're saying you want a Tic Tac, yeah. it may actually just be code for your breath smells like a dead dog. Take this or we're not going to be friends much yeah. longer. This right? sounded um, like a question. <clears throat> it's it's really an exhortation. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's a polite yeah. exhortation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, we need, this is where brotherhood comes in, okay. sisterhood comes in, especially among men. Men need to be challenged and to be poked and they need to be forced to think about themselves. They need a sort of a masculine finishing school, so okay. to speak. And that was the home. That was the gym. That was the sports teams. That was uh, back in corporate America. Like even today in corporate America, if you're in a company that actually has to has metrics and numbers they have to hit, they might be all PC outside the closed office door. Inside the office door, they're pretty brutal, right? Reality. And we'll tell you like, yeah. here's what you yeah. got to do or you're getting yeah. fired. It's not my fault. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, right. it is your fault. So we don't have people calling us to take responsibility and 
and to look at herself, um, like look at the output. So what I'd say, you know, your intentions, that's great. Um, you can tell me your intentions all day long, but it's the fruit by which we judge people, yeah. you know? Uh, so you're telling me that uh, good fruit's coming from a bad ha heart or, or bad fruit's coming from a good heart? Like, no. And so part of it's just like judging people. I'm all about this church. Interesting. You don't tithe. Um, you don't show up. Um, yet you love our church. Like for you, is love a verb? Or is this like a loosey goosey feeling? What does that mean? Yeah. You know? Yep. And so actually forcing people to explain why they do what they do. And, uh, and, and then say, you know, it's interesting. It's not because I love my sin. It's always because, well, you know, I just grew up in this home and there's a lot of conflict in my home and I have a hard yeah. time, you know. Well, we're I, Italians. We're Italians. Yeah, we're, we're very oh, verbal yeah, people. My wife, she's just a, <laughs> she's just a feisty redhead, yeah. man. That's how they are. Okay, yeah. so redheads, they, yeah. <laughs> they, can, they can be a dripping faucet. <laughs> right. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. Um, but that's, that is a real problem right now. And that's when you, when you engage in the matrix, right? Social media. Um, yep. The matrix is interesting because you see who people want, the ones that aren't lurkers. You see who they think they are, who they want to be, yep. and how they talk. Um, but it it really shows you how people think about themselves. And I don't care if you have liberals or conservatives. A lot of times, you listen to the conservatives; uh, they're just as whiny and victim. Yeah. Uh, they have a, a victim mindset uh, where they think of themselves as really passive. Uh, receptors in this culture and not active movers. Yeah. 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 The reactivity thing that you mentioned about, <coughs> I got a lot of takes and I've got a lot of words where, you know, like for this leader, he should do this. Yeah. That leader, he should do this. Uh, what, how, how do you work on that? Like I saw a tweet this morning and it's ruined my morning or, or like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like what do you, how are you doing? Like I, I assume Maybe people have expectations of you. Have you run into that? Of like, sure. Mike, I, I'd really appreciate you speaking to this. I need, you know, I'd they really do. Like your I, I get uh, people email me, what do you think about Ukraine? I don't. <laughs> I doubt. What yeah. if we get a nuclear war? Right. Well, I don't know if you survive. I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know who yeah. you think I am. Yeah. Did you watch The Road? I'm yeah. not getting that far. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not happening. I got yeah. seven kids. We'll just hug each other a yeah. lot and lose our hair and Batavia could that seems like it is the place in the novel that's still around yeah maybe we'll get down yeah. to the ohio and yeah. there's like cannibals yeah. uh, you know so, that's right um probably united methodist would be the ones that's just that's just my gut on yeah that. but no, um good. but yeah people will ask to speak to everything and and i always ask like why do you care like someone wanted me to come on a podcast to debate a guy okay He's like, he doesn't agree with some of your views. And I was like, okay. So he's like, would you like to do a debate? I'm like, no, not at all. Um, why not? I was like, I just don't really enjoy it, you know, um, and uh, I don't want to. Uh, yeah. I, that's it. There's that great sure. scene from, is Christopher Walken from, uh, I haven't seen the movie, but a guy points a gun at him. He says, put your hands up. And he says, no. And he's like, why? Because I don't want to. That's how nice. I feel. Just like, I'm yeah. not doing that. I don't want to be part of that debate. Sure. Like, why do you care so much? How is it affecting your local churches? You know, it's kind of like someone wanted me to comment on some of the eschatology shenanigans going on right now. Yep. No one in my church knows any of those players and they don't care. Right. I barely know them. I've never read any of their books. Have I seen them on Twitter? Have I seen them online? Sure. 
Why do I have to comment on this? Well, people yeah. are talking. People talk. They like to talk. At Mars Hill, they like to talk about every new thing. Yeah. They were blabbers, right? So are we yeah. Paul calling in repentance or are we Mars Hill that just loves to hear some new thing all yeah. the time? And I think you work with your own hands quietly, asking the Lord to bless where he's put you. That's, I think you just fall in love with like what my back porch has holes in it. Okay. I care about that right now way more than I do any of those eschatology debates because I can keep seeing one of my kids sticking their stinking foot in there and breaking their ankle. Yeah. yeah. That's on my mind. Yeah. So when, uh, that's what I care about. I care about uh, the 14 new chickens that I have to figure out what to do with that my daughter just hatched um, okay. because I guess it's a good idea. We'll find sure. out. Um, I care about what's going on with the families in my church. These are people you actually know. Yep. Have friends, like have relationships, have projects, take care of something. It's it, everyone's interested in those debates because they remove you from action. They remove you from taking any responsibility for yourself. You can be a big to do out there. It's like um, I, people love authority that they don't have to exercise, right? And so this is my problem with libertarianism on Cannon's call. Uh, yeah, here so, we go. Here's the headline. So a lot of problems I have with libertarians is. Uh, just the ones I know, anyhow. Um, I I don't know all of them, so this is a small sample size. My goodness, is that is that good enough? Um, but um, <clears throat> anyhow, Re retract that, take that, out. <laughs> leave that. Yeah, uh, that's one's allowed to be on there. <laughs> but <clears throat> is that they want to talk about theoretical things like um, private privatizing roads or whatever? Okay, like. Have you looked around? This has been socialist for a while. You know how far away from that we are. We're guys like uh, that ask me what I think about women's suffrage. You know, oh, a big part of the masculinity debate and sexuality debates, women's suffrage. Yeah. Really? That's it. That's where we're at right now. You think that's the question we have to ask right. at this moment where right. people are chopping little kids up and, and, you know, everything's wild and joggers paint their clothes on now. That's, that's the one you want right. to talk about. Um, People like to talk about things because they, what, what can I do about that? Right. Well, you can uh, uh, create awareness. Everything's awareness, right? Yeah. We can get the word out there. Oh, I, I'm having this debate for all the people that are watching. Everyone's watching like, does he have things to do? Yeah. Like, that's what the lurkers are thinking half the time. So yeah. I stopped like, I'm not, just don't be performative anymore. I don't write anything for the people that are just watching. I don't care about them. Sure. I write for the people that are in my church and for the people that want to interact and encourage them. And so stop thinking about imaginary people. Start thinking about real things where you're at. All that stuff, it's so simple. You can't write a book on it. That's the gloriousness of it. But people will ask for a book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the climate change world, as tried as it is, Jordan Peterson telling people, like, if you can clean your room for 30 days straight, like that would be that would be impressive. Yeah, it's like so hard to do, <laughs> and <laughs> like really you is. don't care about it. But like, do that first. Yeah, and then maybe we'll work on anything else. Uh, these are the basic things that uh, it, it produces virtue. Yeah, that's what it is. You throw yourself into life. You work really hard, and and uh, it produces uh, godly virtues. Awesome, awesome, Michael. Thanks for coming in, man. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Take care. <laughs>